Welcome to The King's Table, a podcast out of King's Hill Church in Boston where we seek to elevate the Bible over opinion, answering the questions you have. I'm your host, Jonathan Mosley. We have with us today Kevin Henderson, who serves as our pastoral associate. Today's question is, what are the best practices for reading the Bible? Enjoy. Now, at Kings Hill, we want to be fiercely faithful Bible readers. So the question is, how do we get there? What practical steps can we take? Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to list several steps you can take to being that kind of Bible reader. It's not exhaustive by any means, but I think it's a good start. So I, I think if we want to be fiercely faithful in our Bible reading, the first thing is, when we're reading the book of the Bible, we have to start with the author's intentions. I remember in high school reading poems and short stories And my teachers would always ask me what they thought, I thought, the meaning was. And we interpreted characters and settings and objects, and it was an interesting exercise. You know, I can make it mean whatever I wanted to mean. And so it was fun in that sense, but it's it's really dangerous if we approach the Bible that way. Because the author had a reason for writing what he or she did. So imagine I wrote a letter to a friend, and then you took it upon yourself to make all sorts of guesses about what I meant by that writing. You would interpret it by bringing in your experiences and your background into that letter, and it would have a meaning it was an, it was never supposed to have. And you might read a, an inside joke, and you thought, man, Jonathan's being a jerk. And my friend would read that, and he would find it hilarious. So we don't read the books of the Bible thinking, I wonder what this means. The author had intentions behind what he wrote, and there is a meaning to the text. Mm -hmm. And for us, our job is to find the meaning, not to create a meaning. So we do not, hear me, listener, we don't create meanings, we find it. The author had intentions behind what he wrote. God has intended for us to find what the meaning is. So when we read the Bible, the first question we ask is not, what does this mean for me? But we ask, what did this mean for the author and the audience it was first written to. Yeah, that's good. I think in the line of thinking about author's intention, another practical thing that you can do is trying to read, you know, one book at a time in the Bible. And in doing so, you're gaining that wider perspective. You're being able to be impacted by their whole body of writing. You're being able to understand the arguments. You're trying to, you can see what they said before, what they're going to say after and, and start to do it. And so you look at this one trouble passage and you're like, I don't know what this means. Well, see what he's, you know, see what they wrote around mm-hmm. it and start to get the whole picture. I think of, um, there was one brother that you were encouraging early on to just try to learn about Jesus. And you said, hey, why don't you read the book of John? Um, and by yeah. the end, he came back and said, you know, I've read John, and I think John has is saying that, like, I need to completely believe that Jesus is who he said that he was. That's right. Which is good, because even John says so. He says, these are written that you may believe in Jesus and have life in him. So he came back and said, I understood that this whole body of work was that I should believe right. in Jesus, mm. and that's what he chose to do. And then I think of, uh, you know, uh, another brother in the church that was painfully working his way through Isaiah. Not painfully, he was getting it, but he was going at a snail's pace trying to understand what mm. was everything. So instead of even just blowing by it, saying, you know, hey, what, you know, what was these individual prophecies? What did they mean? Tracking them down and really trying to understand the book as a whole. And then you could talk to him. He's like, well, Isaiah said this. And, you know, like, I mean, he's getting very versed in it. And so studying one book helps you to understand that particular part of scripture better. Um, 
in that mindset, I think it's also helpful from time to time to just sit down and read that whole book in one sitting. Mm -hmm. Particularly a lot of these letters and uh, things in the New Testament, they were written to churches with the intent that like on a Sunday gathering, someone would get up and read (laughs) that letter. And so sometimes we're like, how dare I read Ephesians all at once? Well, that was written to the church at Ephesus that they would sit and they would read it in one setting. That's how they did it. And so I think that would be helpful. Um, so that we can experience it the same way. And and I know that there's someone listening who's like, have you seen Genesis? And I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know, like 40 chapters, you know, like this is tough. Like the longer ones are harder to do in that, but they were still written to be one collective work. And so mm-hmm. if there are days or, you know, on a Sabbath rest, you know, of something that you're doing, saying, hey, I'm going to invest multiple hours here. Well, I'm just going to try to read this longer work of scripture to see what it said. I think it can be, you know, very beneficial and helpful in that and and here's the two ways let me let me illustrate with this way say you wanted to explore a local lake or maybe here in boston like the boston harbor you wanted to see what the harbor was like there's a couple of different ways that you should that you could go about it one could be like a glass bottom boat I don't mm. know if you've ever seen these, but they're, you know, they're a boat. Silver Springs, Florida. They I have. have. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So you get in these and they have that clear bottom. And so you just kind of go across. And so you can see all the, all the grass, all the vegetation under the water. You can see the fish that are swimming under it. And so you really, you get to, this is like the, the brother going through Isaiah, you know, just really like That's seeing right. everything. But occasionally you get it and maybe you, you miss the bigger picture. The other way that you could explore something like the Boston Harbor would be like in a speedboat where you can really get some speed. And so because of that, you cover a lot of ground really fast. Mm. But because of that, you get, a, you get a picture for how big this thing is, or you get, you get to see it as a whole altogether. And so I think both are Almost like a ways. panorama. Yeah, kind of a panorama and a big overview of it. Mm-hmm. But, but because you're going so fast, you miss that little fish that was going underneath the boat when you sped by. Um, but neither, both are correct and both are helpful ways in understanding it. Those are two ways of trying to read the, the entire author's work is let me pick it apart and see everything that was in this. But it's also let me see the big picture all at once. Yeah, that's really good. I really think reading a book at a time is one of the best practices when it comes to reading the Bible. You, you don't want to play hopscotch. Sure. Or or jump on, you know, read the Bible like you're jumping on a trampoline. I jump in here for a little bit, then jump out, then jump in somewhere else. And, you know, like you mentioned, just reading a book at a time is a really good practice for reading Scripture. I think another good practice when it comes to reading Scripture is, is reading the whole story. Like having the whole story in mind when you're reading the Bible. It's an amazing thing. We have the Bible at our fingertips. It's a grace, gracious privilege throughout history the canon of Scripture was unfolding, but now the canon of Scripture is closed. We we have what God wants to communicate with us. We have it. It's complete. We have the full story in our hands. And if you've ever enjoyed watching a series on television, after each season's ending, you're waiting for the next season to come out, and you're waiting for how it's all going to end. But once the series ends, you can go back and you can watch those beginning episodes with a totally different perspective. You know where it's all going. And this is how we're to read Scripture. Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 39, that all of Scripture points to himself. So as I'm reading the story of Scripture, I always have an eye towards how will this get worked out in Christ? How does this point beyond itself to Jesus? For example... The story of David defeating Goliath. How many times have you heard the moral of that story is, you know, here are the stones that you should pick up so that you can defeat your giants. 
uh, listener, that's that's really bad preaching, right? We that's reading with a me centric perspective, and we're to read the Bible with a Christ centric perspective. That story is about a man who everyone looked over, who stood in the gap for a people, and whose individual victory was credited to an entire nation. That story puts points beyond David. It points to Jesus, who had no appearance of beauty, who died in our place, and whose victory over sin, Satan, and death is credited to us who follow him by faith. As we trace out things in the Bible, for example, we think about the entire story of Scripture, and then we see how that theme is fulfilled in Christ. So mentioning themes, for example, God's presence, God first dwells with Adam and Eve. Their sin drives them out of the Garden of Eden, but the rest of the Bible is about how God is able to dwell with his people, even though they're sinful, and God is absolutely holy. And so we see God's presence in the wilderness by the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud, His glorious presence dwells with them in the tabernacle. And then his glorious presence dwells in the temple once the kingdom of Israel is established. And ultimately, though, that theme is traced out till we get to Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, God with us. That's why Jesus says to the Pharisees and other onlookers, I'm going to destroy this temple and build it back in three days. He's saying the temple is not where God's presence is. Really, all of that has been pointing uh, throughout history to me. Then in Revelation, the book, the Bible closes with God's people dwelling in God's presence forever because Jesus made it possible. So when we read the Bible, we don't read with a me-centric perspective. Whatever book we're in, we're reading with an eye towards how does this get fulfilled in Christ. Yeah, that's good. Um, Another practical step um, as far as reading the Bible is is reading well-balanced. So I think of... um, you know, if you're a college student, you know, your degree program that you pick has a has a layout of courses. These are all the different courses you need to understand for us to give you a degree in this area of study. That's good. Or even at a more uh, smaller level than that, each class that you take has to cover a certain class. And they will give you a syllabus that gives you all the things that you should understand to understand this one class that's mm-hmm. a part of your degree program. Um, so a good plan to reading the Bible is that we're going to be able to read from the whole Bible. We're going to be reading from the Old and the New Testament so that we can have that whole picture that we've talked about, that you can pick up these themes as they come through Scripture. You can understand the whole of author's intent as you go through it because you're reading it all. Um, and it'll have you reading all the different genres and stuff that are in Scripture mm-hmm. as well. It, what I think we can do if we're not careful is we like to read from like the Gospels and like the New Testament letters. These are more like the, the meat and potato. They are easier. You know, like, like Paul in says, some ways. because Christ did this, you need to do this. And you go, oh, well, that's really clear for me, and like easy for me to understand. And so you focus on those. Those are those meat and potatoes. But you still need the, the vegetables and the fruits and, you know, these other vitamins and things that are going to come as you read the Proverbs and Psalms and the Old Testament history books. You know, you'll, you'll get... A, a better picture of God, a more balanced diet. Well, when I'm thinking about like the book of Hebrews, for example, that book is about Jesus, but it ties in so many things of the Old Testament. So yeah. it's important when you have the potatoes and vegetables and fruits and vitamins, it, yep. that's helping with the meat. It's yep. supplementing. It's it's gaining understanding. It makes the whole meal better, yeah. better not just uh, adding individual things. And so because of that, what, what can be helpful is to gain, is to use Bible reading plans, plans that will try to take mm. you through 
you know, all of scripture so that you can have it. And so I want to give us a few examples of types of plans if people are not familiar with them. But the, the most common is probably just the through the Bible. Just open up, start in Genesis and go. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. traditionally said, like, if you can read about three chapters a day, you'll cover the whole Bible in a year. Or for some that you go, if you did just one chapter a day, you'd get through it in three years. So you could get straight through the Bible. I mean, that is a valid reading plan and it can be helpful to do. Maybe a small twist from that is there's some that have made chronological Bible reading mm. plans. These are ones that are arranged so that you read in the order that they would have happened. So for example, Job was really early in the history. And so even before you get to like Genesis 10, you're reading Job because those events would have occurred early right. on. And so you supplement it on. But it means when you get to the gospel, sometimes you're, you're reading it and you're reading the different gospel accounts you know, in the order that they would have happened from the different ones. Or, and what I find really helpful, you read through things like First uh, and Second Samuel, where you're hearing stories of King David. And there will be events where maybe you know, Saul is chasing him into a cave, and then there's a psalm that many assume mm, that maybe mm -hmm. David wrote during that experience. And so now you're reading a psalm that David wrote that probably connected to that event. That's and good. so you're getting to tie them together. And so that's where that's really helpful. Uh, another list that I've liked before is one that was made by... Uh, um, a Scottish minister back in the 19th century, uh, Robert Murray um, McCain. I can't say his name. Anyways, that sounds about right, Kev. I'll just make it up. Uh, but anyways, he says that it's, uh, he, he made four lists um, that you would read from each day. And if you did so, you would cover the Old Testament once each year. You would actually cover the New Testament and the Psalms twice. Um, and so making sure to get a more balanced diet, but for a Christian reading the, the stories of Christ a little more often than we're reading the Old Testament history. Um, and so I think that's helpful. Another one I've seen actually takes the different genres of scripture, taking like the epistles, the law, the history, the prophets, um, the hmm. poetry, and even the gospels, and it assigns them to a single day. So like every day on Monday, you could read from the epistles and every day on Tuesday from the law so that you come through and you're covering all the genres, but you're, you're mixing them up throughout your mm. week. Mm -hmm. um, but it keeps you on track, and I think that's a good way. Um, a pastor at a church we were at previously, he created a repetition reading plan. Um, the idea of it was he wanted to read through like the same thing about four times before moving on. So the plan would like read Ephesians four times. And then it would, you know, maybe move to like First Thessalonians four times. And so by doing so, it was continuing to like meditate and to mull over the same scriptures mm -hmm. um, over and over again to help in, in understanding the full of like what the author's intentions were and in understanding the book. That's um, good. So I think that's good. And I'll, I'll give the last one for the true avid reader. Uh, there's one that I've, I've tried to do before. This, this guy actually created 10 different lists to read from. So it was actually 10 chapters a day. But all of the lists were a different order, um, a, a different length. And so they constantly, you had different scriptures that you were reading with different ones. But he also had, he recommended like Proverbs is 30 uh, chapters long. And so he had one chapter of Proverbs every day, and that was the mm -hmm. only thing. So if you followed that plan, you would read Proverbs every month. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so plans like that were helpful. But if you're like, that's, I just gave like a ton of options. And someone is probably, you know, concerned about all those and, and maybe overwhelmed with it. I would say just the a good plan is one that's going to take you through all of Scripture. Mm, if mm -hmm, if that is your mm -hmm. plan, that is a good plan. So the whole counsel of what God has said, right? Yeah. And so find one that suits you. If you're like, I want to read a lot of Scripture, pick one that's picking three, four, five a day. If it's like I can I can commit to one, commit to that and stick to it, so that you'll get that whole counsel of Scripture. 
Um, find that plan. If it works for you, stick with it. If you're at the end, if you're like, I liked that plan, but I'd like to try something else, mix up your reading from time to time. There's not a wrong way, but I would encourage you find a plan that's that's going to cover all of Scripture. Yeah, is there a plan that you kind of lean towards the most, or is there? You know, what are some practices that you have that you have in you know your own Bible reading? Yeah, I've um, I tried that uh, ten a day. Um, sometimes I would only get through four or five, and I would just do the other four or five mm-hmm. the next day. Um, I've in more recent times going back towards uh, Robert Murray McCain's like four list. I found that that was more helpful because I was getting some gospel, some history, kind of every day, and mm-hmm. four was an okay number. Right. And so like it felt like I would make progress through the plan where some of the, you know, like the 10 lists just sometimes didn't happen. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I I struggled with the through the Bible. It's like really good in Genesis. And then like Exodus is pretty good. You get some exciting stuff. And then you get to like Leviticus and numbers and like, you know, motivation starts going a little bit down a little bit. And um, so that that's kind of tough. And and the through the Bible plan, if you were doing it in one year, you don't get to the New Testament into the Gospels until like late September, early October. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been a hard thing when I've tried to run those. Um, so I, I've liked plans that would alternate some New Testament and Old Testament in some capacity just to kind of keep it a little more fresh, if that makes sense. That's good. What I try to do is I try to read a proverb a day. Because as you mentioned, you get through the book of Proverbs, Proverbs within a month. I'll try to read a psalm a day. Mm-hmm. The Proverbs is a lot about wisdom, so it engages my mind. Psalms, it, it's, it's really a book that engages the heart. It's, yeah. it's, it's written with people's heart on their sleeves. So I really enjoy reading a psalm a day. And then I'll, I'll alternate going through a book of the New Testament and the book of the Old Testament. So I'll, I'll go back and forth. But I do like what you mentioned about reading when it comes to the, the genres of Scripture. Like, it would be important to sometimes say, all right, I'm going to read these first five books of the Old Testament because those are the books of Moses. That's mm-hmm. the Pentateuch. Or I'm going to read now all of the Gospels because I know that, of course, they're, they're testifying to the life of Jesus, but they give different details, and it's important for me to be able to look at that all at once. But uh, So I'll do that occasionally, but typically it's a proverb, it's a psalm, and it's a few chapters of an Old Testament book or a New Testament book. And once I get through that book, then I'll alternate whatever testaments. That's good. Now, as we're closing here, it's natural that we're going to come across passages in scriptures that are hard to understand. So what do you do when this happens? Because we don't want to just say, well, I guess I, yeah, I can't understand it and, mm-hmm. and, and close the book and give up. Uh, I'd say invest in a good study Bible. Study Bibles have notes by faithful biblical scholars and maps and illustrations and answers to questions that you have. And they also have cross-references. Cross-reference is a note placed alongside a verse that points you to another biblical text that says something similar. And so that kind of bring, fleshes out uh, understanding, gaps of misunderstanding maybe. But I'd also say when you're reading context— Context is king. Context is king. Can't say that enough. Nope. <laughs> uh, so you might come across a word. You're not totally sure how the author is using it. Words, just like in English, have a range of meaning. And what's going to help you the most is paying close attention to what comes immediately before and after. And then I also think when it comes to context, use concentric circles. Say I'm reading one of Paul's letters, an epistle. And there's a word or a concept or a phrase that I'm just not getting. Well, if I'm thinking in concentric circles, my first circle is most narrow. I'm, I'm looking at what what comes right before, right after. So maybe the the sentence right before, right after. Maybe the, the paragraph before and after. And if I still can't get a grasp on 
the answer to that question, I'll expand the circle. I'll look within the chapter, and if I still can't get an answer, I'll look within the book. So say I'm, I'm questioning something in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to look, my first circle is the paragraphs before and after. The, the larger circle is the chapter. The larger circle even after that is the entire book of Ephesians. Then I might even expand my search to all of Paul's writings, yep. then the New Testament, then the whole Bible. And so I, I think when we come across things we don't understand, context is everything, starting with that first small circle and then expanding them if necessary. It's important for us to see the Bible is divinely inspired by God, and it is infallible and inerrant. It does not contain errors or contradictions, and so we might have to do some investigative work from time to time, but something that could be helpful is thinking of each book as a witness of truth. These authors or witnesses have communicated truth for us, so when it comes to asking questions regarding what I'm reading from one particular author, I'm paying attention to what the other authors have said. In other words, I'm letting Scripture interpret Scripture. Yeah. Uh, the, the Bible is like it's like an echo chamber, constant truth that's being spoken. And I, I let Paul communicate with James, and I let James communicate with Isaiah, and Isaiah communicate with Nehemiah, and I'm letting them talk with each other as I'm trying to get a meaning of the text. If I think a passage means something, I can turn the pages of Scripture to eliminate educated guesses and also confirm if I'm on track or not. Now, Kevin, what you know, if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm opening up my Bible and I'm I'm, I'm reading this book at a time, mm-hmm. you know, first we have to observe, we make observations about the text, we have to interpret the Bible rightly, and then we we apply it right. So, yeah. uh, help me with that in that process of observation and interpretation and application, what's a, a quick, easy tool that I might be able to use in my Bible reading? Yeah, something we've been using, I think, even before King's Hill really began as some of those early Bible studies was asking questions. And uh, I always heard them abbreviated as SPECA, S-P-E-C-K-A, um, that we would be able to go through. And so th- these are just questions, diagnostic questions you can ask of the text and of yourself as you come along. And so the first one, S, is, is there a sin to confess? So maybe you're reading the text and you go, I, this says that I shouldn't do this. And I look in my own heart and I see it. You're like, I can confess that sin because it's it's drawn out here for me. So is there a sin uh, to a confess or to avoid? So it could be saying, maybe this isn't you, but this is something God tells you not to do, right? Yeah, and I might add to that too. If, if you know, in epistles, that sometimes that's really easy. Yep. It's like, don't do it. All right, that, that's the sin I should avoid. But if I'm reading like historical narrative, sometimes it's a little harder. And so to be able to pick out that sin, I might be able to look at a character in the story who has been really sinful. And I can say, all right, like this is a character trait I'm not to copy. Or sometimes characters get things right. Yep. And I think about the opposite. Well, if this is if this is what's pleasing to the Lord, then the opposite is what I is what is sinful and I shouldn't do. Yep. So yeah, good, good, I like that. So S, is there a sin to avoid? A sin to avoid. Uh, the P would be, is there a promise to claim? So this is God has given his word and saying, if, you know, it it seems too formulaic. If you do this, I'll do this or something else. But Or it could just be, you know, God promises that he will always be faithful. And so you know that, you know, like he would be faithful not to to leave you on your own, you know, type of a thing. Like we can hold on to that promise that he will always be with us. You know, so is there a promise? And once again, that could be a promise to characters that have been made in the past. You do need to be careful to make sure that it wasn't a specific promise given to a specific person. 
That's um, where the author's intention really comes into play there. To you know, when the author written to the original audience, it's for us. It's really important to know. All right, do those promises apply to us now in the new covenant, or is that specific to Israel or that person or that family? So yeah, good. Because sometimes it was I, they gave a particular individual a task for them to go and to mm-hmm. do. Said go and take this word to these people. And there's a promise associated yeah. that may be just for that prophet, or it could be something universal. And so we let other scriptures help us to understand, is it for us or is it for everyone? But is there a promise to claim? Um, you've kind of already uh, alluded some to it, uh, but the E would be, is there an example to follow? So this is, you know, you see a, a character or maybe even Jesus, you know, doing something, not necessarily commanding it or, or you mm-hmm. know, it's a sin, but you like, we could follow that example and be like, oh, he was caring for, for the lowly and those that needed aid. You know, he was there for it. That's an example to follow. Um, and so, you know. Once again, some we have to understand if these are good examples or right. bad examples, right. and so sure, we need sure. to need to understand what the intent of that story being in the scriptures were. Right. Um, so that's the E for an example to follow. Uh, the C's are usually a little more clear. Is there a command to obey? Go therefore mm. and make disciples of all nations. It's pretty a, crystal clear there. Yeah, it's pretty pretty clear, you know. So if it, if the if God is commanding something directly through His Word then, you know, that's something for us to hold on to. Um, and the K is, is there any knowledge about God or Jesus? So do we learn something about God? I kind of mentioned his faithfulness, so that could be a promise. It could be something we learn about him, mm-hmm. you know, and so we learn a, a character trait or, you know, God is the creator of everything, you know, like we can see these. Um, the K could also be, is there any knowledge about man? Is there something we learn about ourselves from this text? Mm. It tells us something about our nature or or who we are apart from Christ or, it's you good. know, something something along those lines that we can, we can help to understand us or our culture and society around us that could come from this knowledge piece. So a sin to avoid, a promise to claim, example to follow, command to obey, knowledge about either God or Jesus or about man. And then the A would be simply to ask, you know, for God to help us to live out these truths in our life. So that, that call to prayer at the end, but that would be Specca. Uh, I really like that. Uh, it's so easy. You can, you can write it on a napkin and use it as a bookmark in your Bible. Mm-hmm. But I also, I love the, the A, the asking God to help you live out what you've read. Because I, I think about Bible reading in terms of breathing in yep. and then praying, breathing out. Yep. Breathing is, is, that's important first. So I'm taking in what God has said understanding who he is and as a result who I am and that way I can form prayers that I know will be pleasing to him they're word-based prayers and so breathing in God's word which helps me to breathe out prayers that I know he'll answer because it's according to his word and his will I don't want to pray apart from God's word I want to take it in and then pray accordingly Well, I hope you found today's discussion helpful as we talked about practical steps you can take reading the Bible. Thank you for joining us at the King's Table. You can find more information and resources, including a Bible reading plan uh, from Kingshill Church at www.kingshillboston.com.